Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7, I believe this is episode 7 of the Cinephile Diaries. One of these days I'll be able to actually get the, the episode number right without having to second guess myself, but not today. Um, today is episode 7 of the Cinephile Diaries. We are here, we're doing it. Um, I made some coffee, it's decaf because it's, it's way too late in the day to be drinking coffee. Um, although I should probably drink some actual coffee because I gotta go to work, but that's besides the point. Um, let's talk about some movies. <laughs> Long drink. Okay. I, just before we even get started, I do want this might be a shorter episode. I only got through three movies this week, so by shorter I mean roughly the length of episodes one and two, not necessarily the length of episode of the last number of episodes that have been forty minutes. Um, but yeah, uh, I think, okay, we'll see what you guys think of this. I think I'm going to name this episode, uh, Superman and the Super Zeros, because I'm like, I'm, I don't want to get into, I don't want to get like too inside baseball, but I'm really struggling with what to name these episodes. So I think I'm going to name this one Superman and the Super Zeros, because one of the movies that I watched is a Superman movie, and it's very good, the other, and then... The other two is one is very much a superhero movie, and it's not very good. And the other one is just a movie, but it's an action movie with one like lead character doing heroic things. So it, I think it still works. Superman and the Super Zeros, that's the name of the episode. Let's dive into it, because you know what we're going to talk about first, and that's The Last of Us. Let's dive into it. Alright, so this week's episode of The Last of Us is is an interesting one, because it feels like a lot of the way this show has chosen to tell its story is developing Joel and Ellie's character through their interactions with other people. Um, so, like, you don't... We've gotten episode four, which I really, really loved, and then now this episode are the only two that are specifically focused on the characterization of Joel and Ellie. Um, I don't remember if I, I don't remember if I talk spoilers. I think I do. I don't remember if I talk spoilers on this podcast about Last of Us. Careful for spoilers. <laughs> um, but like there's definitely new we meet new characters. This this episode opens with Joel and Ellie meeting a a a couple that's living in the middle of nowhere and it's one of the funniest scenes in the show. That's one of the things, that's one of the thoughts that I had about this episode. Just diving into, like, an overall conversation about the episode. Tonally, this show has always had humor. I mean, the diarrhea joke is amazing. The this show has always had humor. The government are all Nazis! This show has always had humor. But this episode really felt like it was, it was trying really hard to not trying, not like trying really hard, but this episode felt like it wanted to be funnier than previous episodes had, which which definitely like raises the 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 tension at least for me, because it's like oh god everything can't be going okay right now how what's gonna happen what's gonna happen, um, but yeah this episode I don't know that like because the the show as of this far has been on a trend of each episode is better than the last. 
Episode 2 is better than Episode 1. Episode 3 is better than Episode 2. I think Episode 4 is better than Episode 3. I think Episode 5 is better than Episode 4. I don't necessarily think Episode 6 is better than Episode 5, which was always going to be hard to do, because last week's episode was insane. Like, it was always going to be hard to deliver a better episode than that. Um, And I've seen some people who do think this episode is better than last week's. I just don't really agree. I think this episode is about as good as episode... Sorry, meal mouth. Oh my god. I should do vocal exercises before I start recording. Me, 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 me. Okay. I I think this episode is about as good as episode four. Um... I don't think it's as good as episode 5. But I do th- I did think this was a really good episode. This was this episode is Pedro Pascal's Oscar, not Oscar. I I I knew I was going to make that mistake. I've made that mistake like 3 times today. This episode was Pedro Pascal's Emmy clip. Like oh my god, he has a scene where he's literally just sitting sitting down talking to someone. And just the way he emotes using his face is heartbreaking. And I was literally sitting there, like, on the verge of tears during this moment. Um, It's beautiful. Pedro Pascal. Like, we knew Pedro Pascal was great. The amount of emotion, and it's not just him. Like, he's very, he has been very clear about this. It's not just him. But the amount of emotion that Pedro Pascal manages to convey in The Mandalorian just through his voice and just through the body language of that character. We always knew Pedro Pascal was going to be a a a a, a world-class out actor, a force of nature. Even in like Wonder Woman 84, which is a movie that is not very good. Um I like I I think I I think I will defend that movie more than most people, but Wonder Woman 84 is not very good. Pedro Pascal takes a character that could absolutely be a character, takes a character that could absolutely be forgettable, one note, and to an extent he is, but he's also the only one of the best things about that movie. And his relationship with his son, why does Pedro Pascal love picking parental figures to play? I don't know. But his relationship with his son in that film is actually really sweet. I think it's the best part of that movie. Um, I don't know, I haven't seen it since it came out, so I, I might should rewatch it, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really, I thought this episode, this, where was I going with that? We knew Pedro Pascal was a force of nature. This episode he proved to be, like, he's more than a force of nature. Pedro Pascal is an Emmy-level actor, and he should get an Emmy nomination for this. Um... Like, this the, this episode is beautiful. And then, oh, just knowing... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... This is going to be off on a tangent. Careful for, care, careful for spoilers for the rest of the series, because I'm going to talk about stuff from the second game. But knowing where the second game goes, which is not good. I, well, the second game is a fantastic story. It's one of the best stories ever told. But, like, it's not good for these characters. <laughs> Knowing where it goes, getting to, um, I don't remember the name of the place, but the this town, they get they make it to a town that Tom that Tommy Joel's brother is living in. Um, knowing where the story goes and seeing some of the locations that are associated with that story, my dude, I, my heart was like pounding, 
just from seeing locations for this entire episode. I was so, like, just the tension that this show has managed to build is a masterclass. And then there's, like, Easter eggs to the second game and, like, characters. Yeah, it's it's an incredible... This is a really, really good episode of TV. Um, probably, I think, third or fourth... Third or fourth episode... Fit third or fourth favorite episode of the series. My brain is moving faster than my mouth is. Sorry about that. But yeah, I thought this was a really great episode. Um, absolutely worth seeing. Like, well, I mean, this entire show, this entire show is a masterclass. This entire show was a masterclass in character work, character building, television, makeup and visual effects. This, yeah, this episode is incredible. And you should be watching it. If you're not, go watch it. Please. Please. <laughs> Alright, so the first movie that I watched this week um, was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get to a movie till Thursday again. That's why I only watched three movies this week. Um but the f- the first actual movie that I watched this week was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. You guys know, I definitely mentioned it last week. I was going in I went into this movie really really skeptical cuz I did I thought the trailers looked not very good. I thought they looked very generic superhero blockbuster. I thought it kind of thought it looked like Ant-Man didn't really have a reason to be in his own movie. Um but when when I whenever I go to a movie, no matter what my expectations are, you try and leave those at the door, and you just you watch the movie and you take in what the movie is. Um, skepticism was the right way to go. I think I I think this movie's kind of awful, which is weird because if you were to like make a list of all the pros and cons of this movie, I actually think there's more pros than cons. Um, obviously everyone's talking about Kang. Jonathan Majors as Kang is a mesmerizing performance that I could not stop watching. He's absolutely magnetic. Um, he's menacing. He's pretty scary. Um, uh, he, like, he apps, he is the best thing about this movie. Um, also, if I had just read a treatment if I had just read, like, a four-paragraph synopsis of what this movie is, outside of, like, one or two things, I probably would have said, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Go for it. Um, the plot of this movie is actually really fun. Overall, I think the whole movie is actually a lot, uh, actually fun. Um, like, Paul, Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd brings in a certain amount of charm to the film, to any film he does. He's amazing. This is the third film I've watched that had Paul Rudd in it this year. He's great at every... He's great at what he does. Um, Cassie. Catherine Newton is Cassie. I've been a Catherine Newton fan for a long time, but I really, really, like, became a Catherine Newton fan from Supernatural. Um, she's great in Supernatural. She Before I saw this movie, because one of the things that I... Well, rabbit trail for a second one of the movies that james james gunn who directed the guardians movies directed uh the the suicide squad movie from 2021 
is de- his is now the head of DC Studios. He's the new Kevin Feige, and they're working and he's working on his slate. And they announced their slate of the first like five or six I think DC movies that are going to come out. I think it's only four: Superman, Supergirl, Swamp Thing, The Authority, Batman. So maybe it is six, or maybe it's five. I don't know. Not the point. Um, but one of the things that they announced was Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow. Um, which is based off of a specific comic book run by Tom King called Superman, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. So, and and I like if you mention a if a if a director mentions a specific comic, I I I will typically pick it up. Like I after Taika Waititi announced Jane Foster, announced Natalie Portman was going to be Thor in Love and Thunder. I went and bought the Jason Aaron Mighty Thor comic. It's all right. It's a like. The character of Mighty Thor is better than that comic, but that's not the point. Um, I, I read Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow, and I th- I thought it was I think I think that comic is brilliant. That might it like it genuinely might be my favorite superhero story ever told. Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow was incredible. Catherine Newton. Before I saw this movie, because I think I think now that I've seen it, they're a little bit too similar, and I would really like someone who's who's never done. A character just like this, but before I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, Catherine Newton was my pick for Supergirl. Um, but yeah, now I now I don't know that that works necessarily, because they are very similar. Um, but Catherine Newton is great in this movie. Um, Catherine Newton is awesome. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is good at everything she does. Like I love Michelle Pfeiffer; she's amazing. Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas, and this is get this is like verging on the negatives. Michael Douglas as Hank Pym is the only character who feels like he actually belongs in this movie. All of the individual characters are actually really good. Kang is great. Uh, Janet Janet Van Dyne is great. Pa- Michelle Pfeiffer, Cassie as Cassie Catherine Newton is awesome. Paul Rudd is awesome. Uh, Evangeline Lilly, for what very little they give her, Evangeline Lilly is hope, is like barely in this movie. Like it's weird. She's there, but she's like a background character. She doesn't like. She has maybe like ten lines. That's an exaggeration, but she's barely a character in this movie. Um, Modok. Look. People are going to have their opinions. I don't know why I said they instead of their. People are going to have their opinions. I freaking loved MODOK. MODOK was awesome. MODOK was hilarious. Except for the end. They try and do something weird with him at the very end that I thought was kind of dumb. But I like I laughed at MODOK every single stupid time, dude. Um, MODOK was awesome. But But for some reason, none of these characters feel like they should exist within the same film. This does not feel like an Ant-Man film. This is a Fantastic Four film. Like, straight up, straight up, like, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory time. For a couple of years ago, Peyton Reed, the guy who directed this movie, had a Fantastic Four pitch. I would almost guarantee you this is his Fantastic Four pitch. And he just slotted in the Ant-Man family. Uh, the Yeah. Like it, it, it's really this does not it does not feel like these characters belong in this movie at all, and because of that, because of the script doesn't feel written for them, nobody gets an arc, nobody gets a meaningful like I never once cared about the characters, I never once cared about like 
a victory for a character. They almost do something with Cassie that um that that could have been a victory, but it it occurs in like two 30 second moments. There's a 30 second moment at the beginning and then a 30 second moment at the end that that almost feel like they were trying to give Cassie an arc. But they but they really that's it. Like that's it. Nobody else gets an arc. And then like the the reason I say Hank Pym is the only one who really feels like he belongs in this movie is because he actually has a plot line revolving around ants. Outside of that, outside of Hank's plotline revolving around ants, nothing about the ant the Ant Man shtick, nothing about shrinking, nothing about any of that. Outside of like, you could argue that in order to get to the quantum realm, you have to shrink. I guess you could argue that, but Iron Man went to the quantum realm in Endgame. In Endgame, they all went to the quantum realm in Endgame. Um, they all know it exists. Um, it does not it did not feel like any like anybody in this movie belonged there cuz there's the Kang movie and then there's the Ant-Man movie and those two are completely at odds with each other and they don't fit they do not fit together at all um yeah i like my hottest take is i think this is the worst movie since Endgame i think it's i think Thor Love and Thunder is better I think Black Widow is better, not by much. I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think this is the worst movie the MCU has done since Endgame. It's bottom five of the entire MCU. This is a not very like, and but the weird thing about it is, is I almost just, I almost just said this is not a good movie, and it's not. But I had fun watching it. Like it's a good time. I th- I think the things that are bad about this movie are things that only people like me will notice only nerds who care about story structure, who care about character, who care about, you know, the art of it all. We're the only ones gonna that are going to notice the problems with this movie. Everyone else, I think, is going to have a great time. I bet, because another movie that I hated from last year was Jurassic World Dominion. That movie very quietly made a billion dollars. I, I don't think this movie's gonna make a billion dollars, but I guarantee you this movie's gonna make like six, seven hundred, six, seven hundred million. This movie's going to be a hit, and that's fine. Like that's fine. Um, I it just did not work for me. That's that's my take on it. Let's talk about the next movie. So after Ant Man and the Wasp disappointed me to say the least i needed a palate cleanser uh like i needed a palate cleanser bad like i started this movie at like 9 30 which is weird because it's like two and a half hours not a good idea to start a two and a half hour movie at 9 30 at night um but yeah the and the, the movie is superman the movie 1978 directed by richard donner um and i like it's weird because i I had seen parts of the movie, but I had never seen it in its entirety. Um, and I and I've I've listened to this score on repeat, on repeat for like a year for like two or three years. I think this is the single greatest film score of all time. John Williams, like John Williams, John John Williams did the score is is in that conversation probably fifteen times over. Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Jaws. 
um, Harry Potter, um, like, the dude just has an insane, I love his score for Fiddler on the Roof, the dude just has an insane track record as a, as a composer, and I think this is his best score. I don't think there is a single, there's one piece of music that I think is better than the Superman theme. The bum, ba 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 There's one piece of music that I think is better than that, which is a test drive from How to Train Your Dragon, which there was some How to Train Your Dragon news that I'm not going to talk about, but I might need to, I might need to talk about it because I have opinions on it. Not, maybe not this episode, but I do have opinions on it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think as a whole, this entire score is the best film score of all time. How's the movie, though? <laughs> the movie is really good. It's not, I, like, I had more issues with it than I was expecting to. Going into a, looking for a movie as a palate cleanser, you should probably watch something you've seen before. I had more issues with this movie than I was expecting to, but when this movie is good, when this movie is good, it's brilliant. When this movie is good, it's a perfect Superman story. The first 45 minutes of this movie, because I was reading Letterboxd reviews after, and somebody said, cut out the first 45 minutes of this movie and just leave the, and just start the movie when Clark gets to Metropolis. Don't do that, because the first 45 minutes of this movie is the best part of the movie. Um, Just that idea of the way the two different worlds that Clark gets instilled with in in his young age. The small town from Kansas, the way he was raised by his dad, and then the massive, like, all, getting, getting, like, downloaded over the course of like 12 years with all of human history by by Jor-El his other dad um that like that that is exactly what makes superman special the fact that he's one of the smartest people on the planet he he's what the most powerful person on the planet and he chooses to be good like that there's a great scene in Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which I talked about in the last sec- segment, that that's that's basically Kryptonians talking about Supergirl specifically aren't powerful because they can jump over buildings in a single bound, move faster than a locomotive. Um, they're not powerful because of they're not powerful because they can shoot lasers from their eyes. They're powerful because they can control. They're powerful because shooting lasers from their eyes is their natural state and they have learned to control it and it's agonizing for them and they do it anyway they choose to be good supergirl and superman choose to be good regardless um sorry i I get really passionate about superman because there's a weird contingent of people on the internet who think superman's a boring character and those people are crazy those people are crazy. Um, yeah. And then I, I do I do think there's some negatives with this movie. And I'm not even going to talk about like the way the visual effects have aged. The visual effects in this movie are gorgeous. I don't care. Fight me. The things that haven't aged very well 
is most of the stuff with Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. Gene Hackman is great in this movie, but I I had this feeling going into like the third act that this movie didn't really need Lex Luthor because there's a segment in this movie that I think is like, well, there's three, the three best parts of this movie is the first 45 minutes, the story of how Superman gets formed, the small town kid from another planet, the the burden of responsibility that's placed on his shoulders. Um, then the then the next part of this movie that's brilliant is Lois Lane and Clark Kent. Um, their relationship is dynamite. It's electrifying. The scene, the scene when Clark Lois when Lois is talking to Superman for the first time in the with when she's giving him an interview at her at her apartment is such a like romantically charged I don't want to say sexy but sexy scene and like he goes to tell her he goes to tell her this is how good Christopher Reeve is he's like Lois there's something I need to tell you and he Clark is standing there he's his shoulders are hunched he's got the glasses on everything and then he takes the glasses off Stand. He takes the glasses off, unhunches his shoulders, stands up straight, and I swear to God, there's a completely different person on screen. Superman is standing on screen, even though he's still wearing the suit and tie. Um, but yeah, and the so the Lois and the Lois and Superman relationship is in. I've got I've got you. If you've got me, who's got you? Oh, it's it's brilliant. And then the uh, the other thing about this movie that really works is in that same section, there's like a 10 or 15 minute segment that's just Superman saving people. There's not really a plot to it. There's not really like, there's not really anything connecting the incidences. Just bad thing happens, Superman swoops in to help. Um, and then after doing that for like an hour and a half, in the last like, 45 minutes, then Lex Luthor kind of shows up and kind of becomes important. Um, I thought I thought that was that was my biggest gripe was I don't think this movie needed a plot because you can just you can just have you don't need the nuke. I'm I'm getting way too inside baseball, but you don't need the nuke to hit the San Andreas Fault to have that moment. You could just have a massive earthquake happen. And then the San, and then that happens. Lois falls in. You could have the exact same story happen without Lex and without the nukes. But because it's because it's a superhero movie, we have to have a villain. I I don't think this movie needed Lex Luthor. Um, and that that did knock the movie bad. Like this movie could have been incredible, could have been perfect. It it already is incredible. This movie could have been perfect, but. I mean, every movie could have been perfect, but but there are some things holding it back. But it's still it's still four stars. It's still a great movie. It's still a really really good movie. Christopher Reeve is incredible. Mike, the everything about this movie is amazing. Well, not everything because we I just spent like four minutes talking about stuff I didn't like. But this movie is amazing, and you should if you have not seen Superman seventy eight, go watch Superman seventy eight. You are you are missing out, bro says the guy who hadn't seen it till Thursday night. But yeah, go watch it. It's very, very good. Um. And then 
All right. So the last movie that I watched in this this week is one that I had never heard of, so I don't expect you to have ever heard of it. But I was just I was complete I was bored out of my mind, very indecisive, just like my brain was going a million miles. My brain was a mess, so I couldn't I could not I could not pick a movie. <laughs> so I just scrolled through. I think this was on Paramount Plus. I just scrolled through Paramount Plus for like probably 40 minutes. And then eventually landed on a film called The Passage. This film is from 1979. It's directed by the guy who directed the classic Planet of the Apes films. Um, And the plot is a sheep farmer slash mountain climber guy is recruited in... This is in the 1940s during World War II. Is recruited to smuggle an American scientist from France to Spain. Um, Very simple premise. Sounded interesting. Um, and, uh, that, yeah, very simple premise, sounded, sounded interesting, so I put it on, um, it's not very good, like, it's not, it's not very good, and I hate, I hate, I hate having weeks like this, where the majority of the movies I saw, I didn't like, I don't, I don't like weeks like this, you'll, you'll, you'll learn this about me, um, I don't like weeks like this, but this movie was not, this movie was not it, I'm sorry, (laughs) Um, I mean, not that there's, like, A, okay, there's two things about this movie that I do think are absolutely amazing. Once again, the score. The score, I don't, I should look up who the composer was, but I'm not going to. The score for this movie is incredible. The score for this movie is awesome. Um, and then the cinematography. It's very, like, handheld. I loved the way the camera moved. Maybe I shouldn't do this. But I'm always surprised when movies made before, like, 1990 have genuinely really good cinematography. Like, like, I and I really shouldn't do that. Like, that's on me. But when movies have cinematography that's, like, competing with the technology, competing artistically with the stuff that gets made today when we have, you know, digital 4K cameras and you know, on your, on your iPhone, there's a 4K camera in your pocket, um, I don't know if it's 4K, I don't know, but, so I'm always surprised when, when movies that are older have genuinely breathtaking cinematography, this movie has genuinely breathtaking cinematography, um, and then Malcolm McDowell plays a, a, a very maniacal SS, uh, captain, Nazi captain, and he's great in this movie. Um, very like a very interesting performance. I would be interested to read. I don't know. I don't know if Malcolm McDowell does diaries for his characters, but I would be interesting to read some of his notes on this character because he because there's definitely a backstory beyond just evil Nazi guy. Um, outside of that, this movie is incredibly bland incredibly tonally inconsistent um it's rated r and it's rated r because the movie takes like a 15 minute chunk of the film to do this very like not it's not like i don't want to i don't want to overplay it but it is it's a it's a fairly gratuitous sexual assault scene um hey like yeah 
and then and then like there's violence, but there's not really violence. Like there's not like fight scenes, but when characters die, they die terribly. Like a there's a the you'll I, I'm gonna say this a lot because Malcolm McDowell's character does most of the killing in this movie. Um, but there's a scene where there's a um one of the one of the peoples that the that the Nazis killed um that the not Nazis were against. Uh, they have a caravan in this movie, and and they help smuggle this family, and Malcolm McDowell's character is interrogating one of them, and then he just dump, and then he, they dump like two gallons of gasoline on him and light him on fire. So like there's there's and then there's a scene where um, Malcolm McDowell chops a guy's fingers off, um, but but and and you know that that all of that should help this movie. But this movie's boring. <laughs> like, none of... Like, because... Malcolm McDowell gets less screen time than the heroes, and the heroes are completely bland. Like, the the scientist and his family and the sheep herder guy, they're interesting enough, but the script really doesn't care about them. Like, the script really gives them nothing. You learn nothing about them. There's nothing interesting about them. The... The, the sheep herder guy doesn't get, like, anything interesting to do. Um, they're just on this journey. And most of it is spent walking. Or not even really running from this Nazi guy. Like, yeah. That, if, it feel, cause it feels like there's a 1970s, 80s, B rated R action movie in here. And then it feels like there's a very self-serious... I don't want to say Schindler's List, but Schindler's List, like, Nazi movie in here. And once again, they're very much at odds with each other. They very much feel like they don't fit within the same movie. Malcolm McDowell doesn't feel like he's in the same movie as the rest of this family. Um, yeah. So this movie was not, this movie was just not for me. Um, which is fun, which, I mean, nobody said this movie was going to be for me. I, I didn't, I didn't need to watch this. I picked it on a Thursday, on a, Saturday night? I don't remember when I watched it. But I picked it on, like, a Saturday night when I could not find a single other thing to watch. Um, but yeah, this, like, I don't know. Definitely not a recommendation for me. But The Passage, 1979. Go watch the Planet of the Eighth movies, though. Those are fun. And there you have it. That was my week in movies. A, a fairly disappointing week in movies, if I if I do say so myself. Um, just really, this week was not it, y'all. I and I I hate weeks like this. They drain me. I I probably seem very low energy. Um, although I mean maybe I'm just low energy because of myself. But yeah, uh, this was not it. <laughs> The Superman 78 is incredible. Superman 78 is like a historical artifact. That movie's amazing. The other two, honestly, like, I th- I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy Ant-Man. Um, giving you my personal opinion, I wouldn't recommend either of these movies. <laughs> I would not, I would not, I did not vibe with any of these movies. You know what I would recommend, though? I would recommend that you read Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow because that book is incredible. 
I was literally, like, sobbing for the last five pages. It's basically, like, True Grit in space with Supergirl. And, but she's such a heartbreaking character. And she, all of that heartbreak, all of that brokenness, she takes all of that brokenness, and she helps people anyway. And stories like that just get me. Like, I talked about last week, my favorite sh- one of my favorite shows of all time is The Newsroom. That show is about broken people choosing to help people anyway. Um, I love stories about broken people choosing to help people anyway. Um, so yeah, go read Woman of Tomorrow. That book is amazing. If, the, if, the, if that movie sucks, I will riot. Um, I really hope that movie doesn't suck. <laughs> but yeah, go read Woman of Tomorrow, and then, yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, bye-bye. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention. This week, very excited. I gotta mention what, what movie I'm watching this week. Cocaine Bear! That's what's happening this week. Nothing else matters. Cocaine Bear! Alright, we'll see you We'll see you on Tuesday. Thank y'all. Bye-bye. Also, I haven't compiled the episode yet. But I love how I said this episode would probably be shorter, and then I and then two segments in this in this episode are the longest segments I've ever done. <laughs> this episode might still be forty minutes. Sorry about that. Have a great week. <laughs>